you know, when you come back from the store, Briar might not be at home. You, if you really love Briar, don't play her at ProQuest. That's my request. Hello and welcome all to another episode of the Win and End podcast, episode 17. Today, I or I am your host, Eric Darrenheim. I am hosting today, but I also have my usual guest, Mr. Jonathan Wyatt. And today, as we've tried to do every other recording, we get a new guest in. But this is one of the first returning guests for those hella dedicated listeners to the very first episode uh mr brody spurlock's with us today how you doing brody i'm good thanks for having me on yeah thanks for coming on um you know i think this is like the most opportune time to to have someone like you on that plays flesh and blood religiously because we are. We've been saying this for like the last few podcasts. Like, oh, ProQuest season coming. ProQuest. Well, it's it's January eighth now. It's literally around the corner. So we are here to to pick your brain a little bit and to just give all the listeners out there like what everyone like where where what heroes should we be playing? Um, you know, what heroes should we be expecting being in the meta? It's ProQuest Season Talk, this episode. That's that's the title. There it is, ProQuest Season Talk. Sounds good. So, yeah. Um, let's start off with you, Jonathan. Um, we really want to hear what you get to say about ProQuest Season. I know Brody is just, um, just biting at the bit to hear what you're playing. Um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> of course, this, what, are you, what are you playing, Brody? <laughs> um, well, okay. The first thing that I thought about when deciding what to play for ProQuest is whether or not I wanted to bring Briar. And I have decided to contribute to the mission uh, to not LL her. So I will not be playing any Briar until at least March, because I really don't want to see Rosetta Thorn go quite yet. Um, given I that think they... a lot of the people in the Viserai channel probably agree with you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope that like Viserai makes a comeback before Thorn goes. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I, I, there is like a period in the Discord where like you could just hop in there and the Viscerite guys were just like, so what do we do? Like, do we go Nebula Blade? Like, is this, is this our only choice? Yeah, and then like, that's like the only thing you got. It's like, well, I guess no one can heal around us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You could play the book. I mean, who knows? Alchemist might get, like, it might be a new class, it might be a healing class, I don't know. It might be something. Reaping Blade might come back in the in a strong way. Who knows? Yeah, for sure. Oh, man. I I really hope that Alchemist news is real. Uh, I did, too. I, I hope it's not yeah. just a rumor. That'd because, be sick. like, when LSS kind of announced that they were not going to focus on classes or talents, and then, like, that kind of came out, it's like, well, I, I do want new heroes, right? So, I really hope that yeah. does happen. But... Yeah, sorry, Rip Briar, at least for this season, for you. I think I think it's uh, pretty well known. <laughs> yeah, Briar's not, not going to survive. And probably more importantly for all those Viscera players, Rosetta Thorn is also to go. Yeah, so I'm, I'm glad that you're... Kind of, I'm hoping it can be yeah. a couple months. <laughs> I'm kind of glad that you're kind of... my hope. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think... Yeah, I, I, so she won't officially, so she'll get enough points, right? But I don't think she'll, it won't be until, for a good while, actually, isn't it? Like, as far as the next BNR for this? 
I believe it's uh, the end of January. End of January? Okay, so I guess it really is just for this month. So this is really the last, basically the last time to play Briar. Um, okay, but you're not on Briar. You're not on Briar. I'm not. Um, and you haven't been playing Briar for the uh, past few Battle Hearts. So, Mr. Brody Spurlock, what hero do you plan on playing this Pro Quest season? And, and why? My default right now is Icelander, uh, just like the classic Michael Hamilton Bullander list. I think mm-hmm. it's probably just the strongest deck in the format, if not one of the strongest. Um, I'm also considering playing Fi and maybe dabbling in a couple others like Dash uh, or even Kano if we want to get spicy. But uh, most likely I'm going to be maining Icelander, at least at the majority of the ProQuest. Mostly just because I think she has the highest chance to win into the meta. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, she's, she's proven that for Mr. Hamilton, both in National and World, so uh, that is for sure. Um, does it matter what, like, because, you know, we can look at, like, a calling-type meta, and we can be like, okay, yeah, Icelander's going to be huge, uh, or, like, is a deck to take because it's pretty good against the field. But in these pro quests, we oftentimes are looking at a more uh, localized meta. So is there any sort of meta that would take you off of Icelander? The biggest concern is Dromai, for sure. Um, Okay. And it's actually interesting. In our local area, there are several Illusionist mains. Um, I don't know how many of them are going to be playing Dromai, but it's a real concern of mine. I don't want to turn up with Icelander and, you know, like a quarter of the room is on Dromai or something. It's definitely a scary idea. Yeah, um, I I personally played Dromai last night because I'm starting to see more Icelanders. Had some success for it, got first, and so it's like... Yeah, if, I, if I'm expecting Icelanders, it might be the play. It might be the, the thing to do. Um, what do you think, Jonathan? Now, now I'm serious. Like, what, what, what's your thoughts on on Icelander for this? I mean, I think Icelander is definitely the menace. Um, one of the things I think is interesting, and Brody, I th- I'd be interested to hear your opinion on this. But like, I've noticed that Dallas, we don't really have a ton of Icelanders because, like, I think you're like one of the only ones, and Jeremy is also like another person. Um, on Team Sneep, of course, who plays Icelander. But the funny thing is, is that while Jeremy plays Icelander, you play Icelander. No one really plays Dromai, or no one has been playing Dromai. Um, so I know, like, one of the people that does, like, he's not going to be able to attend because there's a One Piece tournament that same weekend. Um, and, like, <laughs> Jeremy's the other Dromai, like, the Dromai player, but it's like, if he's also the Icelander player, then it's like, that doesn't mean anything, right? Yeah. So it's like we like don't have very many Icelanders, and therefore we don't have very many Dromais. So like, I don't know. Dallas meta is kind of weird. So I don't know how to feel about that. So like Icelander, I don't feel like it's necessarily being targeted. Um, but you know, it. I don't know. Uh, as an aggro player, I I don't feel like there's very many options for me to like play into Icelander other than maybe dash. That makes sense. So, um, I hadn't really thought about it that much uh like as far as who's been coming out recently i sort of expect like i don't know i'm not sure what to expect i think like a group of players will kind of come out of the shadows for the pro quest and show up 
They tend to, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's always like one like also group that like kind of travels in as well from like either Houston or like Louisiana, like every now and again. So yeah. like there there always could be those surprises. I think um, you know, people ho- will always come into spike events as long as uh, you know, they breathe. So I think that's yeah. also possible. So, <laughs> um I don't know. I'm kind of interested to see what happens in this ProQuest meta, especially because, like, as I mentioned, because there's not that many Icelanders, like, there's not that many Dromais, but, like, as you're seeing, Eric, like, things change, right? So, like, maybe when week one kind of passes through Dallas, like, we might see, like, either more Icelanders and even more Dromais. So, like, I I don't know what to think of this meta, but I'm not sure necessarily looking at people in the Armory events in the local area is the best way to do it just because people who come in and spike events. So I'm kind of just, I'm kind of just trying to play the bracket right now. Um, see what the tier list is in my mind, set that up and then, um, kind of just make a game plan based off of that and what you're select. It would be interesting if we see a sort of development over the course of the ProQuest season. Like if week one, uh, there aren't very many Icelanders or Dromais, but then like the couple Icelanders that there are consistently performing well, then maybe in the next couple of weeks we start to see more Dromais and then perhaps even more Fies. Um, I always think it's cool when like a meta, like a local meta kind of develops over these short qualifying seasons. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what happened last season. Um, Fi just initially just kind of took off and then even saw like some Dorithia in response to it. Um, yeah, so it being the first week being next week is like, Probably the most um, going in with just absolutely nothing. I mean, obviously, we all have, like, some some idea and knowledge and stuff, but, like, not truly knowing where the meta is. And then, but that's also kind of makes it the most exciting. So it's actually pretty fun, pretty cool. Um, I Yeah, iCenter makes sense. I definitely agree with that um, as far as, like, just going against the field. So now I my next question to you is... You're not the only guy thinking of Icelander. There's tons of people thinking of Icelander. So now let's go over this. What are some like uh, tips you have as far as piloting Icelander? And one I want to especially talk about is piloting Icelander in the mirror. Because if Icelander is the deck to, to pick right now, then there, there may come up, even though what you just said, John, there's not a lot of Icelander in Dallas, but it may come up. You know that you face another ice there. So, what's your what's your strategy there, if you don't mind? For the mirror in particular, uh, I think it's one of the harder matchups, uh, like maybe in the whole game. Um, from what I've practiced, I think that getting permanents down, if you have a safe window to do so, uh, is very important. And cashing in on them later, it basically feels like in the mirror, there are these like awkward passing turns where neither player is really doing much because they both have cards and it's like minus value to commit arcane damage if your opponent can just block it and get an alluvian counter by spending likely less resources than you did um so then it's kind of like these like awkward not much is happening setup slash chip one damage turns into like slam on the gas turn cycles where everything you've built up so far being able to cash it in at that moment is like that's where one player gets ahead of the other um so i guess the real main piece of advice is just to really evaluate every turn cycle 
evaluate what you like first what you think the best play is and then basically look a turn further and see if like the number of cards or resources or whatever you're investing is actually like putting you ahead because I think sometimes it's easy to get tricked into making a play that is actually going to end up being worse than if you just like pass turn with two cards in hand or something. Um, I would say value permanence um, and also physical attacks, I think, are particularly strong in that matchup because like with Alluvian Constellus and both players usually playing AB5, uh, before you have Insidious Chills in play or like Amulet of Ice, whatever it is, playing Aetherize Fanes is usually just spending two cards and then your opponent spends five resources, stops your effect, and gets a counter, so it's pretty minus. However, throwing physical attacks, um, most of the time you're going to spend two cards, they're going to spend two cards to block, and then you get a chip damage through. Um, yep. So yep. that's like a really strong way to like start leaking damage through as you're still in the early setup part of the game. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I like that. Um, that's kind of what I've been using against like the Kano matchup. We have a Kano player down here. Um, and that makes sense. It makes sense that you would just want to focus on the physical and, like you said, just set up. That, that's good. That's good. Um, okay, so my next question is, we're going to stick on to the Ice Center, but we're going to go to your other hero that you've been known to play, which is Briar. Uh, so, you know, let's say I think Briar and Fi are probably a little bit more – well, I mean, I'm sure you would, both you guys would agree, is more user friendly, um, and uh, you know, I think that those are both heroes that uh, see like a good amount of success. That's why Briar's about to LL. That's why Fi was so popular in the last meta. So, you know, I would imagine a lot of a lot of the common folk out there will see a lot of Fi and Briar. Um, so, you know. In that case, I got two questions for you. How does Icelander beat those aggro decks, and how does those aggro decks beat Icelander? And then I want to hear from your side too, Jonathan, on that. Yeah, I got a question, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, good questions. I'll start with Icelander 5. Okay. I think that... Um, I think that Phi pretty much just wants to go all gas, no breaks... While considering the ways Icelander can disrupt him and, like, playing consciously around that. Um, but pretty much, I think he just wants to end the game quickly, utilize the plus six or seven damage from Pouncing Links to try to just kill Icelander as quick as possible. Sense. So definitely Pouncing Links in, in that matchup. I would say to play Pouncing okay. Links. Okay, yeah. okay. Um, and then I think it's on the Icelander to... Find the right controlling pieces, and in my experience, uh, land maybe one Insidious Chill, and use the three counters from that to start locking Fi out of the game late. A lot of times okay. I find that Icelander starts off the first half of the game with like a significant health deficit, and can still end up winning because uh, the one Chill, like, I, in my experience, can close a really massive health gap um, if used correctly, and if the deck, you know allows you to draw um, the right cards at the right time to make use of it. I think that matchup really rewards understanding what the other deck uh, is trying to do and is capable of doing. Mm -hmm. As the Icelander, knowing how to disrupt, but especially as the Fi, um, 
playing as efficiently as possible while also trying to shield yourself from total blowouts. Makes sense. All right. Did you have a question there on that one, John? Oh, no, 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 not on that one. Mine's mainly on the Briar side. Oh, all right. I've personally been focusing on it, but I mean, kind of pushing on that point, I think, um, you know, early game, Fi is looking to get those Art of War turns, right? Those uh, spreading flame turns as, as much as possible just to kind of increase the damage, kind of push that life total, put Icelander in a bad position. And then if if Fi can pull it off on an off turn, right, and, and everything goes perfectly, like you want to put those energy potions out for that Insidious Chill plan that Icelander is most definitely going to go forward with, right? right? Insidious right. Chill is just the name of the game in destroying aggro, and that's like the last thing you want to see, right? So, um, yes, yeah, that's I think very good. yeah, yeah. So Epoch kind of helps play around that that game plan late game for five, but uh, obviously you want to just get those Art of Wars, those Spreading Flames, and pop that um, that mask early, and you know hope Icelander's gone before um, an Insidious Chill comes <laughs> out, but you know. Things get crazy, but yeah, I'd love to hear your opinion on the the Briar matchup, Brody. It's definitely one that I've practiced a lot and tried to really figure out because I was playing Briar for a long time and now I've been playing Icelander. Um, I would say it's sort of the opposite of the Icelander Fi matchup in that if Icelander and Fi just play out turn cycles over and over and nothing special really happens, if, if Icelander doesn't create a particular disruptive situation, like most likely Fi is just gonna win. Um, the damage from Pouncing Links just adds up to him, on average, outvaluing her and most heroes. Um, but if, like, I would say the opposite is sort of true in Icelander Briar. I think if you just kind of play out turn cycles and neither hero does anything um, particularly special, impactful, like this is the moment of the game, and you just kind of get whittled down, I think that Icelander's winning that game. So I think that it's a very difficult challenge on the Briar player to, similar to Fi, both play around all the ways she could get disrupted and uh, think about that with every play, while also trying to identify at least one window to slam on the gas. Um, And there's still a balance there of, like, you can make decisions on that turn cycle to still try to mitigate the damage from a blowout, but I think sometimes you just have to like, try to identify the best situation where you think maybe they don't have the counter to what you're doing in their arsenal, and just go for it. Because I think if you never go for it, and you always play, uh, like, play scared, play around what the Icelander could have, that it's going to probably end up being their game. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that, that adds up, that makes sense. Yeah, playing um, scared doesn't get anyone anywhere. Um, in, in this game. And, and I think I kind of like that point that you're making, right? Is that like for the Fi Icelander matchup, the onus is more on Icelander to to swing the tempo, right? But then in the Briar Icelander matchup, the, the onus is more on Briar to swing the tempo. And I think one of those things that becomes a huge factor is that when Briar is like creating these embodiment of lightning tokens or embodiment of earth tokens, they actually work against her. Right, because embodiment of Earth at the start of the turn, Briar can react to that, and then also um, the embodiment of Lightning. After after you attack with like a Snatch, let's say that has an embodiment of Lightning, yeah, you get the draw trigger. But after the draw, right, they can react in between the draw and go again, right? So then they can actually create um, Frostbite tokens in that window, 
um, which can make things kind of awkward as well. So I think that adds like an additional step of awkwardness by putting an instance in very interesting spots for Briar that make it very uncomfortable to play. So um, I think Icelander has a little bit more that she can do into the, the Briar aggro matchup than she can do into the Thigh aggro matchup. So I find that kind of interesting as well. Um, but you know, Phi is big, stupid damage, right? So, got <laughs> <laughs> or not Phi, uh, uh, Briar is with the. I mean, Phi is big, stupid damage. He's just a little wider of his damage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I think uh, Runeblade just they they have trouble with the instance a little bit more. So I think that's really really what it comes down to. So, um, kind of the question I wanted to ask you about Briar isn't necessarily about the Icelander matchup. It's actually just about. The, the deck lists in general, right? Because like you're not you're not on Briar, so I would love to just kind of pick your brain here, just kind of see how big of a Johnny you are, right? Um, yeah, Because <laughs> right? like, uh, you know, something that I've seen popping up is that Crown of Dominion cash in kind of tech, mm-hmm. and like I'm kind of curious on your thoughts about that. Like, would you bring that to a pro quest? Would you even be interested in playing that as like kind of a Briar whisperer? <laughs> Uh, I'm very curious to test it. I have not played any games with it myself. I've watched a couple and heard some people talk about it. I think it's definitely worth exploring. Um, the first question I always have when considering that deck is how many cash-ins do you play? Uh, and I think the easiest answer is just play three. The first one is uh, a double Gorganian Tome. And then the other ones are just, like, yellow block threes, I'm assuming you have an embodiment of Earth, which is probably fine enough. In a fast matchup, most of the time you'll only see the first one or two. I think that I would not cut Crown of Providence from the list entirely, versus, like, Guardians, for example. I would probably side out the cash-in package and just play the armor. Um, Makes sense. But I could see the explosive nature of the royal build being better into aggro. Um. Yeah. Go ahead. I I I've, I've been I tried it out a few times. Uh, played it on a few armories, and um, yeah. I I think you said it right there. Like I think that's Briar's way of keeping up with Fi and being able to uh, go about the same pace. I mean, because that cash in turn, it's just like uh, it's almost like another channel turn. You know, it's just one of those big turns. Yeah, it definitely helps speed things up. So I'm kind of curious, like, how much we're going to see it in this pro quest because, like, that's kind of, like, the only, like, crazy new tech that we're seeing outside of, like, Dash, I would say. Um, like, and, and like, really just interested in seeing what's going to happen there, what data we're going to see. And, I mean, I just love seeing the data that LSS puts forward with the Flesh and Blood um, stuff. So I think it's just been really cool. So looking forward to that. Yeah. For sure. Um, so one just other question about Briar, just, you know, like with, with Crown of Dominion also taking place, I, I could see that Briar could pop off in a pretty big way, this this pro quest. And it, I mean, every hero has potential to pop off, right? I think that's, that's always a thing. But with that, I mean, only 80 points left, right? Like when those 80 points are gone, possibly this season, and you have not put in a game of Briar, like, would you be disappointed, or do you feel that the success that you've had on Briar is kind of like, all right, uh, it's time to kind of put that away and move on to something else? Um, you know, Briar was kind of your, as Jeremy put it, your first girlfriend, right? That was... 
<laughs> you know, at card game girl, right? You know, that's the year. But uh, anyway, but like that's like your first hero that you kind of came into the game with, right? You saw huge prominence on it. Um, I mean, I don't think anyone can say that there's, you know, a battle harder person than Brody Spurlock, right? You're the best battle hardened player that I've seen. And yeah, I don't know. You're you're just kind of moving on. So like, I'm just kind of curious. Like, do you think it'd be a shame, or do you? Yeah, tell tell the bar community what's really going on. They've been asking questions. <laughs> so, if we get to the end of ProQuest season and Briar does LL right after, I think I will be disappointed that I didn't play one last ProQuest on her. But for me, I've thought about it a couple times, and the prospect of maybe playing her at like the pro tour this year if i think the meta lines up right for it um is worth not playing her at pro quest and i've talked to a couple other briar mains i'm trying to like spread the movement of don't ll briar um i definitely think if she lls i will feel uh i guess at peace like with how much i got to play her i (laughs) i like At peace, yes, I love that. (laughs) Though, I think if I knew for sure, like with Chain, actually, it was very, uh, with Chain, I knew for sure that he was going to LL after the final weekend, and so I put Mm -hmm. down Starvo, which I thought was the best deck, and just played Chain one last time for the fun of it, and I did not regret it. I think if I knew for sure that that was going to happen, I would definitely play her at least once this season as, like, a final goodbye. Wait, so do you actually think she's not going to LL? Do you think there's a chance? She has to win... Uh, in, in, in order to LL, she has to win 39 ProQuests. Um, I think that there's a real chance that she wins 30-something, but not 39, and gets close, and then we get one more big event. Maybe. I don't know. I'm on the other side. I think her time is nigh. Um, but either way, either way, okay, that's, that's fair. So basically, she's old news. You used her up. <laughs> she's good. <laughs> <laughs> you got the new hot one as Icelander, and <laughs> this is what this is what this is the way I see it. We're just gonna right? make that meme, just Brody looking back at Icelander while you know holding hands with Briar. I mean, like this is what happened, right? So like Brody's like at the house, just hanging out, you know. Briar's doing the usual stuff, and then Brody's like, "All right, I'm going out to go get some cigarettes." <laughs> And uh, you know what? Like, I'm just saying that, like, I, I think that, um, you know, when you come back from the store, Briar might not be at home. <laughs> like, she might be gone. <laughs> yeah. So something that I, I think that that's like more likely. But um, after kind of talking to you about that and putting an actual number on it, I think I'm leaning a more 70-30 now. So, um, okay. yeah, I now I'm, I'm starting to see that's possible. But um, for me, I do have that huge sentimental value in the game. And while that may not necessarily be like great for like more competitive play, I definitely want to play Briar, at least one game. I want to give her uh, a sending away. I've, I've done my best to collect all the cold foil equipment for everything that I own of hers. I've foiled out the deck and uh, I've got all first edition with the exception of Enlightened Strikes and Command and Conquerors. Get your name on that list when yeah. they come out that LL list. I want to. I want to. And I really want the Crown Dominion tech to take off as well. So, like, kind of just say, like, hey, you know, this is one last goodbye. Let's throw in the last generics that we can stuff into this deck, right? Yeah. Like, so, like, 
at least for me, like I'm I'm pretty excited about that and and seeing like what kind of data we can see. But um, I I also just love hearing your opinion, Brody, because it's like so different from you know kind of other people and myself. Because like you know I'm kind of bargaining here, getting my last my last minutes in. <laughs> Right. Yeah, last Brody's came to turn. He's at peace, man. He's 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 chilling. <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. He's not even showing up to when Briar gets in the electric chair. Right. He's like he's already made his peace. Like, <laughs> okay. I have to clarify. I very much want her to stay alive, but like, if she LLs, I'll know I did my part to try to keep her from you did, that. You know, you, you're on you're on the list. You're on the list. No, yeah, don't let don't let any of my my stories like deter you. I'm just trying to paint you as like the worst person ever. Like, like, like I'm That's a Briar. We do here at Win and Podcast. We take the our good guests that decide to come on, and, and we just yes, you know, crush them to the ground. No, uh, I, but Brody, you're obviously a friend of the podcast, and uh, yeah. we love oh, yeah. we love joking yeah. around with you. So, you know, I actually like. You know, Briar being um, your your first girlfriend, that means Bravo was my first boyfriend, and I'm pretty happy with that. That's <laughs> a, I'm pretty happy with mine. Yeah, uh, I I like Katsu. Um, maybe oh, not. You guys just got high together, then, huh? Yeah, it's not great for me. <laughs> not a great start into Flesh and Blood because it's, it, like he was kind of like not the best deck in Crucible War era. Um, but yeah, so, um, but Shane and Briar have always been like my favorite heroes. So like, I think with, with Briar kind of going away uh, in the future, possibly, right. That like, that will kind of be like my last hero for flesh and blood that has been like oppressive. Right. Yeah. So it's had a reign for sure. Yeah, exactly. So I think that this will kind of be the end of an era, which is kind of like my sentimental value. And like, that's where like. I'm probably going to make the big pivot of being like, all right, not as much stupid aggro and trying to learn other decks, which is kind of like what I felt like you've been kind of trying to do a little bit, Brody, of just kind of moving into other decks, exploring the range. I saw that you went into Fi, and then like you were like, all right, this is too easy. So um, hopped into the Icelander. I, I don't know about too easy. Just like, yeah, it's it's a... Uh, I don't like to call any deck a coin flip deck because I think there's... Like a lot of skill on any hero, but out of the heroes that exist, Phi is definitely the most like I don't know, like Phi mirrors or can can feel sort of quick luck of the draw, um, which I don't love that feeling. It reminds me like Starville mirrors, and I mean yeah, it's I I'm I'm, I'm totally with you. I mean I think that's why I haven't really picked up Phi, it's just because I don't want to lose the mirror and it be you know based off of the top 60 and you're right skill is definitely involved and is a player game not a you know just what's in your hand type game but um still like you kind of want to you kind of want to like that's that's why you're playing ice center that's why i i play oldham it's like you kind of want to feel like you like not only did your cards help but you definitely made that game your win i I totally agree with that nothing against by though fight is like real nice to just take out and just zoom, um, <laughs> and just you know, just just take an armory and you know get some wins, and it's always a good feeling too. But I, I do, I feel that sentiment a hundred percent. 
So like, is it is it just a matter of like those extra percentage points that like even just like one or two, like you just you just value them so much because that's where you can take the extra edge there. And I'm not saying that's just one or two percentage points. I'm just saying that you can find any percentage points just through your play in other decks than in five. Uh yeah, anything. I I definitely try to always make any choice I can to like min max my chances to win, even just by a little bit. Um. Mm-hmm. As far as like preparation deck selection, I I definitely think that basically just uh, agreeing with what Eric was saying that playing Icelander you feel like you have more control over the outcome in general, um, and like if you lost you probably made a mistake, which I I like that like I like knowing that and then feeling like I can improve from it. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Mm. Hell yeah. Um. Okay. So. Let's uh so that's 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 purple quest seasoned. Um unless there's anything else you guys want to add to that. I think. Uh, no, I think uh, I think we pretty much covered um most yeah. of the topics. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um I think the one topic we didn't cover is that Dash is the best deck for Pro Quest season. Um uh, but that's okay. We can talk about that later. Um, um you seem you seem to be mixing everything up, Eric. I don't know. <laughs> I'll, I'll quickly. That's just so good. What's that? I'll quickly shout out to all the Briar players out there that. Uh, yeah, there you go. If you, if you, uh, like, I love her too, and we should all not play. Oh, her cut the so feed! Cut we, the feed! <laughs> like, play. Like, yeah, if everyone viewing, but also if you want to play her, don't feel bad about it. She might die, and you, you know, get to play her one last time. But. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a humble request. Please don't feel bad. She might die. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love uh, that. I like, yeah, that's good. That's good. Good little send off. Good little. <laughs> I like that. Um, let's look into the future just a little bit. Uh, since our last uh, podcast, we, there's been a new spoiler, the only spoiler for Outsiders, <clears throat> um, which is an assassin card that has a new ability, Stealth. Uh, I'm not going to get into like what stealth could mean because I have no idea. No one has any idea, um, unless you guys do. Then you guys you know, let me know. But uh, the what the one thing that is confirmed is Assassin is in this next uh, set. Now, Assassin right now, so Arachne right now, not very good. Not not good into this meta, but does have a sneaky good matchup. I don't know if you've if you faced this with Icelander, but Arachne actually I have not has played a good versus decent matchup in Icelander. Uh, have you so noticed that already? Really sure. Okay. That's funny. I played against my first Arachne last night and uh I, I pulled out Crown of Dominion prior yeah. and oh. uh, <laughs> you're like, oh wait. <laughs> Yeah, the guy, the guy was like, "Oh, I didn't even run Regicide," and I was like, "Okay, perfect, yeah." <laughs> so, yeah. but I didn't. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. The the whole Arachne um, counter thing. Like, where? How did you find that? Like, did you just play into that, or? Um... Yeah, well, you know, there's a lot of hype into Arachne when it first came out, so a lot of people were building decks and whatnot, and um, you know, we did a lot of testing with Sneep as well, and what we found is that um, really being able to um, control the top of Icelander deck, as well as come in with, like, very cheap attacks um, with attack reactions, like, 
tend to just kind of worked out all your um, most of your cards block for three. So you can just put two cards in front and then come in with an attack while also like face healing or use an old magic turn. Just looking at the top of the deck and determining if you want them to have that next turn or not. Um, actually was quite relevant and was surprisingly effective. Uh, that was really Arachne's only great matchup. Now, we're going to see a lot of new Assassin cards. Um, I am predicting a reprint of the hero, but in a Marvel form, maybe. Um, but then maybe we even get a new Arachne. Like a new I would expect we'd get a new hero. We'll see. Um, this might change a meta. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're probably, we're definitely going to get some new, you know what, I, all right, you know what, let's talk about that. Let's go ahead and talk about that. Well, well I, my whole point with that is we might see a meta change, which would be really cool. We always do. Um, and it'd be cool to see Icelander have, like, because like you're saying, you know, it's one of the best decks, uh, if not the best deck. So seeing someone or a hero come out that really just, you know, puts Icelander down a peg would be really cool. But uh, just as a fun thing, because I don't think we've done this in our last podcast, let's talk about what we think might be in this next set <laughs> as far as heroes. I'm going to start. I'm going to start just to kind of get the train rolling. Um, I think we're going to see three old heroes and a new hero. Um, I think we're going to see Arachne as the same hero. He's just going to get a Marvel version. Um, we're going to see a different Azalea. We're going to see a different Dash. And we're going to see the Alchemist Lena Bell. I, uh, That's I my guess prediction. Maybe I didn't think about it enough. Um, I at first was thinking we would probably get a new Assassin. But I guess it's like with Everfest, we got Icelander. And then with Uprising, we got real Icelander. Um, I would yeah, be hyped yeah. to see an Alchemist for yeah. sure. What did you say the other two are? Uh, Dash and... Okay. Azalea. I also yeah. think it would be... We're definitely know, it's going been a long hits, time so without like a second adult mech, Azalea. so I would not be surprised to see that. It makes sense, Brody. That's why I get you on. I'm just looking for people that will echo chamber with me, and I appreciate that. Yeah, you'd be a great member on the team. <laughs> but, uh, I, but like, uh, just in general, like, I, I tend to agree a little bit more with, like, there's going to be a new assassin character. Um, I don't think it's going to be Arachne. I think it's going to just be a new person. Uh, and then I, I hope that we see, uh, is it Lena Bell? Is that the... Yeah, yeah, Lena Bell. That's the new alchemist person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think we're gonna see the new Alchemist class. I'm, I'm all in on that now. Like, so that's <laughs> that's that idea is like tied to my person now. Um, and then uh, I think we're actually gonna see a new Azalea, and it's going to actually be named Azalea. Now, right, um, right. now the mechanologist I think could just be a new person as well. I don't think it's gonna be Dash, but I, I do think like we could essentially see like um, one Starvo treatment, and by Starvo I mean like an old hero getting a new name or a new title added on. I don't mean a uh, emperor kind of coming in or Arachne coming in in the middle yeah, of a, yeah. a non-expansion set. I, I mean a old hero getting new stuff. So like, um, but like kind of to your point, I think what would be really interesting is like essentially a, a set that has one new hero and then three heroes that have already been around getting Starvo treatment. And then like 
just kind of changing up the meta that way and just saying, hey, Arcane Rising, we're going to give you like a little bit of a buff here. Yeah, yeah. I um, I think we have enough heroes. I don't think we need that much more. I think we can just keep reprinting with different names at this point. I don't know. That's my take on it. Yeah, yeah. And if LSS is willing to, it's, as we've seen, just kind of put answers to, to new heroes and new sets, like I think that Assassin point is really interesting. So maybe yeah. um, the people that have been putting their time into the Assassin hero, um, Arachne, will probably get a little bit more payoff when this new set comes out. So really looking forward to that. Um, for me, myself, I'm just looking for a draft experience so I can actually right. play yeah. competitively like when I have the time off. So like the way that this season's kind of lining up for when Pro Tour shows up in April, May, um, like once that kind of comes around, like I'm ready to compete and actually get in a draft season that I can play in. So I wasn't able to play an Uprising, which apparently may have been a blessing, right, mm-hmm. rather than a curse that it felt like. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm like really excited for for outsiders because I think like I think draft is what Flesh and Blood's kind of about, right? I think there's like that that really interesting calculating play that I I, I feel like you don't really get anywhere else, like because of the variance of like you know, your, your draft pick. So I'm really excited for that. And um, yeah, I can't really speak to that more. I, I yeah, it's just all great. Um, Brody, I know you're the complete opposite. You're not looking to get competitive coming out cider season. I agree. Um, I'd be excited for a new. But tell us what you have. I did not mind Uprising necessarily. Um, I think I'm kind yeah, of in the middle yeah. on that one, but I regardless would be excited to try something new. Um We we like this game. The draft is fun. It's just there's so long between draft sets, and it's like yeah, we're all waiting for that new draft set. Where whatever your thoughts on Uprising, I mean, I loved yeah. um, Tales of Aria. I could not wait to not draft Tales of Aria anymore. You know, so yeah, it's just we're all just waiting for that new draft set. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, okay, finally, last thing I want to get into. Um, it wouldn't be a win in podcasts um, if we didn't bitch about something. So, um, keeping on to the future, um, we don't know when the new Pro Tour is going to be. How do, how, do we, how do we feel about that? Yeah, it's like they, they, we only heard late April, early May. Yeah, so yeah, we don't have a date yet, so we can't. I mean, the Pro Quest season is next week. So we can't, you know, like, it would be a great time to get those plane tickets, to get those hotels, to get the time off work, all these things, because, you know, if you win the ProQuest, you obviously want to go to the Pro Tour. We know it's going to be in America. We know the time frame, but we don't have the exact date. Yeah, and we don't have maybe, the exact I think LSS yeah, gets so, back from holiday next week. Uh, so hopefully yeah, that hope. gets sent out as well as for me. Um, one thing that I'd really like to see before ProQuest season starts is like details on whether XP qualifications are going to be a thing or like how high you have to be on each leaderboard and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 As much as we can get, as far as details go, for sure. Yeah, um, exactly. What am I, what am I fighting for this weekend? Right. What am yeah. I, what am I really going for? I'm not, I'm not just there for a coin. Right. Which yeah. I do think you're right though. That holiday does make sense. It, we are probably going to see something, you know, we're recording on a Sunday. 
we'll probably see some late tonight because, you know, New Zealand time. So we'll probably see, hopefully see something on there Monday. We'll, we'll find out. We'll find out. Um, and then also down the line past ProQuest season, we have our first calling in the States, um, which is in Indianapolis. There's a nice little cold foil young dash there, associated yeah. with it. Brody, I'm assuming we'll see you there. All right, cool. I plan on being there as well, so yeah, sure. we'll do the, you know, see each other there. Um, yeah, um, and yeah, we'll obviously see where the meta is at that point. Like we were saying earlier, you know, we're getting into the first week before anything's really out there as far as data, and uh, who knows. You know, things might change. It might be like Eric predicting Dash is the most represented deck in the top eights and the winners. Maybe even keeps your Briar alive because she wins so damn much. I don't know. Um, but yeah, we will see how the meta looks then. I'm sure we will both be um, adjusting. Yeah, for sure. Our, I'll be excited to uh, hang play out with our heroes accordingly. Yeah, it'd be cool. It's always a good time. Flesh and Blood is really about... Okay, I was gonna, that's, it's, it's corny, but I'm going to say it anyways. Flesh and Blood is really about being in the flesh and blood. But it, it really yeah, is. I mean, I like the, the interactions with friends is like the best part of this game, for sure. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I That's kind of all I got, guys. Is there anything y'all want to say? Or do we cover it all? What we got? Oh uh, yeah, I think we I think we covered it all. Um, just real quick, Brody, do you want to shout out your socials real quick? Um, we'll post uh, your Twitter down <laughs> in the uh, yeah. Where get you freaking famous, my dude? <laughs> I think he's I think he's doing a good job on his own. No, 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 he's not get the winning in ball. I haven't posted there much the yet, but I've been trying to maybe start using it more. Uh, that's about it right now. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool deal. All right. Well, this has been the Winning In Podcast episode 17. Thanks for listening to us. Uh, thanks for my guests, um, Mr. Bryce Burlock and obviously Jonathan White. I appreciate both you guys. And until the next episode, keep on fabbing, and we hope to see you in the next one.